Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Negotiation. Before I dive into this week's pod discussion, I want to take a moment to ask for a little help from you, our audience. Podcasting is a little bit of a one-way mirror, and frankly, my mother always said I had a face for radio. (laughs) What I mean by that is we rarely have the opportunity to engage with our audience. So with that in mind, I have an ask. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd greatly appreciate you letting us know with a review on whichever platform you listen on. We would love to hear some of your favorite things about certain episodes or the pod overall. And if you're really feeling energetic, you can send some feedback or advice to podcast at WPIC.co. We'd really love to know more about what you like and what you'd like to hear more of, topic or guest suggestions, or ways that we can improve. We thank you in advance. Today on The Negotiation, we speak with Jacob Cook co-founder of WPIC Marketing and Technologies, to get his pre and post 11.11 insights and predictions. 11.11, for those who don't know, is Singles Day, traditionally the largest shopping day of the year globally. As 2021 comes to a close, Jacob does a deep dive for us into the consumer trends that have emerged in China over the past year. We discuss how different categories have performed over the past year and those he's expecting to lead the charge on 11.11. We discuss some of the new tactics he's expecting brands and platforms to use, We also talk about the importance of having inventory on the ground in China during a shopping event of this magnitude and importance, as well as the long-term effects Singles Day could have impacting e-commerce well into next year. Lastly, we discuss the potential fallout from the global supply chain issues impacting everyone around the world. Enjoy. Logistics feeds into manufacturing. Using the iPhone as being the most complicated product, there's 180 different suppliers. One of those goes down. You don't have an iPhone. It's that simple. And it's the same thing for anything. Nothing is truly made in any country of origin. When you look at like what it takes to put a made in the USA label on something, very rarely is 100% of that product going to be made in the United States. Cars, I think, is, is another great example too, right? Even if you had a car factory in Michigan, they're still feeding that automobile with many parts from around the world, which they need to get those parts to that factory too to keep that online. Home to over 4 billion people, the Asia-Pacific region boasts one of the most powerful consumer markets on the planet. Not only is it home to half the world's under 30 population, but it's also home to more than half the world's internet users. It's a market no globally-minded brand should ignore, but entering markets like China is no easy task. Just ask the likes of Microsoft, Google, Uber, and Facebook. Times are changing, and with the right partners, doors are slowly opening as more and more companies find success expanding into the markets of the Middle Kingdom. I myself spent eight years in China, mostly as a venture capitalist, helping early-stage tech companies enter the Asia-Pacific market successfully. This show is dedicated to uncovering and examining successful China entry and growth strategies by interviewing the people behind those success stories. My name is Todd Embley, and welcome to The Negotiation, brought to you by WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Jacob, welcome back to the show. Good to have you back again. Thanks for having me back. As we talked about, this is our pre-11.11, looking ahead to what we can expect from one of the traditionally biggest shopping days on the planet. Now, as we close out 2021, what main trends have you seen in China over the past year? Well, I think the main trends that we've seen, I mean, a continuation of last year, right? I mean, last year we saw so many changes in consumer behavior, um, you know, health and wellness really becoming a thing. But, you know, it, this year has really been dominated by supply chain issues. Um, you know, shipping costs have been going up, uh, you know, getting your hands on inventory and, uh, you know, been dealing with all of that basically. So that's been by far uh, the biggest trend of this year, really just trying to 
you know, maintain uh, operational continuity. Um, and then, uh, you know, sort of where we are in that post-COVID consumer behavior is really, uh, uh, you know, continued on from, from the changes we saw last year. You noted a, a couple of categories in there, but diving in a little bit deeper on on a bunch of categories, can we talk broadly about how just pick, you know, five or six that, you know, how have they performed going up, going down um, shifts in, in technology, consumer behaviors or something like that? If you could just broadly talk to, you know, just a bunch of categories and how how well they've performed or actually not performed this year. Yeah. So there's a couple of trends that have changed, um, you know, in general. I think when you sort of look at this, you know, over the history of 11-11, I think we're year 12 now, a lot of the growth in those early years was coming from increases in DAU and MAU, which is daily average users and monthly average users. You know, about a couple of years ago, um, Tmall kind of hit that 900 million mark, which really was then at that point, you know, everybody. So they'd reached saturation in the market. And then growth has really been coming from, you know, increased spends between those 900 million, but also more and broader categories. So looking over at the, I think we have to look at which was up, you know, 400% last year, um, you know, and that's something that, you know, was obviously caused by the pandemic and retail being closed, which forced people to shop online uh, more. Um, the next trend, I mean, health and wellness, mention that one again. I mean, that's everything from vitamins to home exercise equipment is also way up. Um, one of the categories that's actually also making a comeback is uh, uh, a fashion, high, like high-end fashion, which was actually took a real big hit uh, during COVID. But we're seeing those brands adapt, um, you know, online fashion shows, more digital events, getting away from that sort of four-season cycle. Um, so it's great to see that come back as well, too, because that was definitely an area that was hit pretty hard last year. Um, Mother Baby is probably one of the ones that is, um, you know, staying constant or down, just slightly single digit down. And, you know, that's just basically due to, you know, falling birth rates, et cetera, in China, which has been a, a, an issue of itself for quite a while. Um and other than that, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing pretty linear growth across the other categories that we would normally expect with, you know, a more affluent society and rising personal incomes. If we were to get out our crystal ball about 11-11 and, you know, I want to ask about categories and predictions of now, given what we talked about, how well things have gone this year and not gone well this year. Looking at 11.11, I know that you have some thoughts um, around things that you're reading, your own opinions, your own data. What categories do we expect to perform well during the 11.11 festival? And how do you predict Singles Day to go overall? Well, I think we actually don't have to get out, you know, the the crystal ball. Because actually what's been going on with 11 now, it's getting very scientific. So that, you know, we actually have a certain amount of inventory. We know the sales that we're running. We're expecting it to come in bang on. It's not going to be able to really outperform and it's not really going to underperform. Um, and that's just due to, uh, you know, the way the promotions are running. I mean, it's going to be a lot of live streaming. I mean, that's obviously a huge part of this whole festival. But the way that they've done this now, um, you know, whether it takes... 35 seconds to sell out that inventory, whether it's five seconds or they're going to go as long as it needs to, to hit that 10,000 or 20,000 unit mark, um, you know, across those different product groups. So 
and, and that not only inventory has been projected, you know, to pretty precise levels. We're obviously using a lot of machine learning to make these calculations. We're kind of really expecting it to be bang on what we're predicting. Um, there's not a lot of margin for it to go much better and, and, and not a lot of reason for it to expect worse, which is a lot different than previous years, of course. Singles Day, 11-11, it's, it's known as a time that sees a lot of discounts. I remember the last couple of years when we have talked about this, some different approaches to discounting, uh, especially you know for foreign brands and what they might be thinking they have to do in the market come time for for singles day to really get promoted and 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 have a successful you know festival it's safe to assume that it will continue to be the case this year that that discounts are a thing however i'm sure there's other tactics that are going to help drive results this year so what are you anticipating some new tactics to be what's really resonating with consumers right now as far as the tactics that we might see a lot of brands go all in on trying to use to have a really successful singles day. Yeah, it, 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 it's a very good point. I mean, there are, you know, we deal with hundreds of brands and every strategy is different. There's no one recipe that that's consistent across all of the different strategies that we're, that we're outlaying. However, um, you know, it, in terms of, in terms of discounting um, that really the way that we look at there's basically two sides, right? You've got local brands that, you know, don't have to ship their products halfway across the world. You know, they can produce inventory much faster and they can see discounts as much as 90%. By far, you know, what's going to happen there is you're not going to be able to compete with that. So in terms of the brands that we have that don't want to discount at all, um, we're giving away free gifts and we partnered up with you know, local brands in a lot of cases that have well-known brand names and that free gifting is, is really important. Um, that, that is a really effective strategy. So limited editions, uh, you know, uh, limited quantity, these types of things that can really provide value on the gifting side of things is definitely something that we're very focused on. Um, in terms of, of the actual ones that are also going to be on the discounting, maybe it doesn't have to be all your items. Maybe we can just focus on one or two sort of hero skews and apply the discount that way. And hopefully the, the thinking is that maybe there's not going to be any margin there, but you really are exposing your brand to so many more people because of that potential discount. And then if you have a, a product that, that where, you know, maybe a nutraceutical, maybe a, a food item where there's a lot of repeat potential there, uh, it does make a lot of sense. Um, and you would probably also segment that out to brands that have been in China longer that will not want to discount lar large on 11.11. And then brands that are new to market that are really just out for that exposure. So it, it, we've had these conversations, you know, starting in July with everybody as, as we laid out these strategies. Also, how much inventory could be made available for the sale. These are all really things that needed to be taken into account and, and taken into account very early. Now, I want to start talking a little bit about global supply chain because we know that we've you were experiencing a lot of issues. You know, there's there's dozens, if not hundreds of container ships bobbing off the coast of L.A. You know, we've seen brands like Lululemon, you know, and, and you know, people, Walmart's chartering their own ships, getting, you know, shallower ships to get into the shallower ports, uh, chartered air flights. You know, it's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. None of it really what anybody would prefer. And it's definitely impacting supply chain around the world. So um, first of all, I want to talk, you know, mention something about what you just said 
said about having inventory on the ground in China. How important is that right now? We, we talk about brands not necessarily on a long-term strategy about being in China. You don't necessarily have to have all your inventory. But how important for Singles Day is it to actually have inventory on the ground cleared through customs or even just in the free trade zone inside China? Well, it's incredibly important. I mean, we do deal with situations whereby we are fulfilling from you know Australia or North America, but it's not ideal. It's not what's expected from the consumer side of things. Um, you know, one of the good things about you know our operation and our organization is we do have a fairly large logistics wing. Um, so none of these supply chain issues caught us by surprise. We were ready for it. Um, we basically took six eighteen last year. Had a great 618, um, took a few days rest after the holiday, and then we were right into to, um, 11-11 because we knew that we were going to have to get our inventory planning done about six weeks earlier than we did last year because of the issues that we were seeing. Um, not only that, but you know, every relative in my family has already done their Christmas shopping too. This isn't a China-specific problem. We knew that this was going to be affecting global sales. Um so we're happy to report that actually almost all of the inventory, except for three containers, which are expected any day, um, is actually in our warehouses or in the bonded side um, already for 11-11. So that, that's fantastic. Um, I know that there's a ton of brands that are scrambling right now that are not prepared. And quite frankly, they're just not going to make it this year. So um, that's been a pretty big difference for us. And again, it's just planning preparation and making sure that you've been out way ahead. Um, of, of your planning process. You know, last year, I think, you know, we were planning and kind of getting stuff organized in August. Um, those first conversations were happening the last week of June this year. So it was a very different preparation process. Yeah, I like that idea of um, having your family uh, out front on, on Christmas. I think that's something that I actually hadn't thought of even myself. And I think that I need to get on board with that. I think if any of my family is listening, remember my birthday's in July. So let's make sure that we're all out in front of that as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Kind of. Uh Let's talk a little bit about how this is going to impact 11.11 or Singles Day directly. Do you see any of these global supply chain issues affecting the total macro GMV numbers during 11.11? And, you, you know, you've already talked about, you know, brands, you know, will they have enough product to fulfill consumer demand? Do you see some of these issues impacting certain verticals more than others due to the nature of the logistics involved with those verticals? I'm not sure that it's going to affect certain verticals than others. I think this is kind of across all verticals in terms of the issues that people are having. But you're you're very right in pointing out that this 11-11 may potentially be smaller than last year's 11-11 due to the supply crunch. You know, I, it, it's going to be the biggest issue. I don't think it's you know been in the press nearly enough. Um, well, I think it's starting to be now. But like I said, this is not a new problem. This has been going on for several months and. I think people are now starting to notice it with empty shelves, but it's no different anywhere in the world. Global supply chains are extremely complicated. Um, and I think another thing that people didn't realize is how much cargo goes in the belly of passenger jets. And with international travel being down so much as it is, I mean, the backlogs are getting worse. This is not getting unwound. It's not a problem that you know is, is going to stop at Christmas either. This is going to be with us. I mean, we're preparing... <laughs> you know, well through 2022, that uh, these issues are going to be there. And you're now, if you're working on a six-week replenishment cycle, you better be working on a three-month replenishment cycle minimum. 
Um, so I would say that that's the potential, Todd. Like we could be down this year on 11-11 from last year based on, quite frankly, not having the supply. I don't think it's a demand issue, but supply chains are, they're a mess right now, quite frankly, globally. What about manufacturing then? I mean, I, I think that is part and parcel, right? Manufacturing then leads to logistics. Have we seen the impact of the pandemic and its impact on manufacturing? Is it logistics? Are, is that the, the, you know, the linchpin? Is that the weakest link in, in the chain? Or you know, is manufacturing also behind? Logistics feeds into manufacturing. Using the iPhone as being the most complicated product, there's 180 different suppliers. One of those goes down. You don't have an iPhone. It's that simple. And it's the same thing for anything. Like nothing is truly made in any country of origin. When you look at like what it takes to put a made in the USA label on something, when you actually read about that, it's, you know, very rarely is 100% of that product going to be made in the United States. Cars, I think, is, is another great example too, right? Even if you had a car factory in Michigan, they're still feeding that automobile with many parts from around the world, which they need to get those parts to that factory too to keep that online. So absolutely, you've got those issues. Yeah, I, I you know, over here in Canada, we are, you know, leading up, you know, this is a pre-11-11 discussion. So we are in the middle towards the end of October having this conversation and recording it. And I'm trying to buy winter tires. And it, they are just sold out everywhere. It's actually incredible. And and I, I think you're right. I, I don't even know why I didn't think about that ahead of time. But I would think logistics and supply chain, you know, going into manufacturing versus coming out, that's actually, as you mentioned, way more important um, because you're pulling from so many different sources. So um, this is going to be interesting. So I want to ask, when it comes to 11.11, do you think that there's going to be some long-term impacts from China and Singles Day and the platforms finally experiencing a down a down festival, you know, some down GMV numbers? Do you think that that could actually impact how we how how brands start approaching this, how the platforms start approaching this come next year just because I mean, it was a torrid pace. There was there was no way it was going to be able to keep up at that pace. But to potentially have what we're going to be facing now, I'm wondering if there's any long term effects that uh, could impact, you know, this this race to just improve, improve, improve. Well, I think so. I think that you're going to see less dumping. And maybe, like I said, again, it might not be so noticeable this year. Because actually, you might have the reverse problem, right? You might have the fact that local manufacturers can't get their product to export. So actually, they are going to be seriously reducing prices. However, long term, I mean, your inventory is going to become more precious and more precious. I mean, you're not going to want to discount 90, 80, 70% um, much longer. So it might be a lot more creative in terms of using different strategies like unique offerings, limited editions, free gifts, um, as opposed to just monstrous discounts. Um, I would suspect that that would be probably getting adopted by more and more brands as inventory across different sectors does become more valuable to the brand. Again, whether we see that this year, probably a little too early to tell, but going forward in future 11-11s, we would definitely probably predict that that's going to be a trend. Do brands need to bother preparing for potential unhappy customers, low ratings, low 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 consumer reports on on, on you know on, on and just testimonials and and feedback you know how how that might impact you do brands potentially need to prepare for that a little bit more this year in being able to just tell customers listen we you know you can order it we can you can pay for it now but you might not actually get it for a week or two weeks I wouldn't actually ever take orders like that. Um, 
just in terms of strategic value, in terms of what we're doing, you absolutely always have to be ready for that. Um, you know, one of the things about the Chinese e-commerce systems that they're very public. Those comments are always there. The rating system is incredibly important and it feeds back into the search algorithm. So you have this monstrous platform, but you're also up against a ton of other brands. I mean, customer feedback is incredibly important. Your reputation is, is everything. I mean, you don't ever want to misrepresent the product that you're selling. You want to be as accurate. Um, and if there are, you know, disadvantages of your product, you want to be clear about that too, as well. Um, and provide reasons. You don't want any consumer to be surprised about the item that they receive at their home versus what they think they're purchasing online. Um, I don't think there's anything special about 1111 for that particular consideration. But I mean, it's something that you're extremely concerned about all the time. I mean, that, that's very, very important to the success of your e-commerce store. What about the the platforms? Are the commerce platforms potentially preparing to deal with any fallout or issues with anything to do with um, some of those manufacturing supply chain issues we discussed? Yeah. I mean, if you go to previous years, we're always on the fly because what could happen is a lot of these slots, sales and and advertising spots that are booked in advance, some people might not get their product. Some people might run out of product. And then you want to be very nimble to potentially get on and get those slots the last minute. Um, that's pretty normal in terms of how 1111 works. Um, you know, we've got an excellent relationship with Alibaba. We're usually one of the firms that gets those calls first because they know we can adapt. Um, but we're going to be all over that this year as well. We're probably going to expect more, um, you know, last minute changes or last minute opportunities than we've experienced in previous years. Right. Yeah. It, obviously, you know, Singles Day originated as an Alibaba owned holiday, but today all of the platforms participate. So to that end, what other platforms do you anticipate potentially having a strong 1111? Is there some differentiation? Do you expect maybe some platforms might be performing better or maybe more resilient to the global supply chain issues or, or other things that are going to happen. What's your prediction across different platforms? You know, I mean, you can't have an 1111 conversation without talking about JD. I mean, that's, you know, pretty much all of the shoppers that are going to be checking on uh, T-Mobile are going to be checking on JD as well. Um, it's going to have a very strong year. If you actually look at, you know, the market share, JD does catch up during these festivals. Like they can kind of get to like a 60-40 split where, you might have 60-20 in terms of their actual e-commerce volumes normally. So GED does punch above its weight on these festivals. But you know, PDD, maybe not so much because it's already known as a discount platform. You kind of know what to expect there normally. Um, but yeah, I mean, T-Mall and JD, they're, they're definitely the big ones. Um, I don't think anything is going to be, uh, you know, let's say exempt from the supply chain issues are going to be able to deal with it better. That's really mainly on the brand side. Um, but both of those companies have strong logistics networks um, that, you know, really does help to make sure that they, you know, are as supplied as, as good as they could be, basically. After 11-11, what comes next on the calendar of the big shopping days? And what can we maybe talk about as far as why that, you know, what's special, what products, what verticals, what platforms. Just talk us a little bit about what's coming up after 11.11 for those that may be, you know, dreading what's going to happen on Singles Day and want to maybe look forward to the, you know, better better pastures, brighter pastures out on, on the next ones. Well, Q4 in general is 
is the best quarter of the year. So you have 12-12 that's going to come up in December right after that. You know, and, and that's probably the third largest shopping day of the year for most brands. It's a little easier to prepare for in terms of, you know, what we're doing. I mean, everything for 11-11 is already set in stone for what we're doing. So 12-12 is, is, you know, already being worked on. But it's a, you know, it's a pretty substantial day as well. Now, you know, 11-11 goes for 12, 13, 14 days. 12-12, it's usually like a three or four day event, making it a little bit easier to deal with. But after that, it it quiets down a little bit. You know, in the Q1 is usually one of your slowest quarters. Um, Certainly January, February, March is usually pretty strong. We come out of the holiday of Chinese New Year, where, you know, logistics networks shut down and offices are closed for almost 10 days. Uh, So that's basically the schedule for the next few months. You know, you're going to do 11-11, 12-12, and then you're going to get to take a little bit of a break. Live commerce is huge in China. And WPIC has really um, been out in front of that uh, big movement from the beginning. You've got the amazing campus down in Nanjing. I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the campus, talk about what's going on. And I'm really curious. I mean, is that place just fully rented, <laughs> you know, just just booked out for 11-11 because, you know, and, and the participation of live commerce. I mean, how are brands marketing are they going in on getting influencers and getting product and just live streaming for just 24 hours straight yeah i mean it's crazy i mean everything in terms of um, not just the nanjing campus but our hangzhou campus as well is, is completely booked live streamers um and we saw this with 618 all of those slots were essentially booked i would say by the first week of september so we're keeping our eyes open like we said for um, potential slots to become available, but they're already on those major streams preheating for 11.11. So they're already announcing their specials and their ratings are through the roof. Todd, it's, it's just crazy what, how, you know, huge this has become, um, you know, shows that were like 6 million before starting to get like 60 million. Now um, it is absolutely ludicrous. The power of these streamers, you know, um, we talked about this before, but you know, when you really think that the the major live streamers are US dollar billionaires personally, um, you know, that puts their net worth, you know, ahead of Tom Cruise or or you know Harrison Ford or these types of big A-list actors. They're even doing cameos now in dramas and television shows. To think of it, it's just it it's so popular. It's it's so huge that it's gone completely the other way, you know, in terms of where people are, are getting their fame from. You know, business schools around the world are studying these people inside their MBA programs. It is just a, a phenomenon that is completely unique to China. Um, but it, it just keeps growing at just, I mean, staggering rates that I'm, I'm continuously blown away by. Yeah, I would imagine that the the world of the, you know, NIL, right, name, image, likeness. And I've thought that a lot of these cameos now, uh, even from A-list actors, are really them. They're trying to stay current. They're trying to stay relevant. They're trying to stay top of mind to improve their name, image, likeness, because that is really getting threatened by a lot of the influencer market, especially around live commerce and things. And if you're not relevant and if you're not top of mind, you don't have the same level of influence of those that are just putting the work in daily. And that's where, you know, that's who's making the money. That's who's getting the jobs. As crazy as that sounds, it's exactly the case. You know, people trying to get cameo spots in these live streaming shows now, um, you know, it's not the actor that's doing the streamer a favor. It's the streamer doing the actor a favor now. And it's just, it's crazy to see how far this has come. 
It is. It is. And a lot of it has originated out of China. And that's why we always need to be paying attention to what's going on in China. That's what this podcast is all about. And that's where you are. Boots on the ground. Jacob Cook, CEO of WPIC Marketing and Technologies. Can't thank you enough. And we will be back with you right after 1111 to get a download and a postmortem on how 1111 went. But for now, thank you very much for doing this. Thanks a lot, Todd. It's always a pleasure coming on. Growing a company is hard. Doing it in a foreign market? Exponentially so. The best piece of advice I can give you is not to do it alone. When you start looking across the pond for further expansion possibilities, and I sincerely hope that you do, make sure you choose the right partners to do it with. My good friends at WPIC Marketing and Technologies have almost 20 years of experience helping brands just like yours enter China. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Negotiation. And if you're interested in being a guest or want to connect with me or any of our team, please reach out to us at podcast at WPIC.co. And be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Zai Jian.